We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom here on the Alliance of Liberty podcast. And I'm going to get right to the show in just a minute. Got a great interview lined up today. But I got to tell you guys about the new Finding Freedom solo feed. Um, of course, you're if you're listening to this on uh, the Lines of Liberty Network, you know that network well. has a show every Monday with Mark Claire, Wednesday with Brian McWilliams, and this show with myself. Um, there's also a separate Finding Freedom feed where you get this show every Thursday, but you also get on Tuesday what I call a Rewind episode, one of the best episodes from the Finding Freedom archives. I've gone back and pulled some of the most popular episodes with former drug dealers turned serial entrepreneurs, with DNA experts, with a guy who teaches you how to beat a polygraph test. So if you are listening on the Lions of Liberty Network feed, that's great. I don't want you to stop listening here. You can get all the awesome content. But if you've missed these great episodes from past Finding Freedom or Felony Friday days, you can go back and hear them easily by subscribing to the Finding Freedom podcast feed. You can find it anywhere where podcasts are found. Hope you enjoy today's show. All right. We are live with Anthony Welty. Uh, Anthony, is a he's a libertarian political activist. He's a candidate coach. You've probably seen him on Twitter and Facebook. Um, he's very active with his accounts there. And uh, he's had great success with uh, his political outreach. Uh, he's been doing it full-time for three years. And being a libertarian being able to do political outreach full-time for three years is an incredible accomplishment just on its own. But he's also set you know, some records for votes, I understand. Um, endorsements. He's, you know, he's done endorsements and fundraising um, as a libertarian candidate. And he's helped to bring new members and even elected officials into the libertarian party. That stuff's all pretty cool. And I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of that stuff. But the reason like, I wanted to have Anthony on, it was something he posted about a week ago, talking about this dramatic shift that he had in his life, the way he lived, where he lived, and uh, changes that he made really right before shit hit the fan in, uh, in 2020. So Anthony, welcome to Finding Freedom. Yeah, thanks, John. It's uh, it's been a crazy couple of years for for a lot of people. It's been a, a crazy couple of years uh, plus a few for me. It feels like it's been kind of kind of quite the roller coaster. Um, but uh, my wife and I are happy, healthy. My son's happy and healthy, and uh, we're just embracing what's in front of us and uh, trying to live life to its fullest and to try to create liberty for ourselves in spite of what government is doing. Right? I mean, we all know that authoritarianism has existed really since the dawn of time. Um, and like, regardless of what they do or what what battles for freedom we have, right? I want to be as free as possible today. So mm-hmm. that's really what my wife and I have been focusing on and trying to merge our personal life and our political life. And it's uh, it's been fun and challenging and learned a lot and uh, a, really a, a blessing though overall. 
Yeah, I want to get into the details of that and, you know, really, really pick at how you did it and, uh, you know, the different really, you know, things you set up in your life to allow you to be able to do it. But before we do that, just to give everyone who doesn't know you just an introduction, um, you can give your, you know, five minute um, elevator pitch when someone asks you what you do, who are you, um, how do you respond? Well, I immediately ask him if they've read Rothbard or Mises, of course. No, I'm uh, all joking aside, you know, um, the my, my life is like so many others in this party, right? I just got fed up, tired with uh, the status quo. I, I got poked in the chest one too many times by the government. And, you know, I was not political uh, in any sense of the way back in the day. Uh, Ron Paul didn't bring me to the Libertarian Party. Uh, Obama created me, <laughs> created a Libertarian out of me. Um, and I stumbled onto the Gary Johnson campaign via Wikipedia back in 2012. Um, and like many people, I voted in the presidential election and then looked away for the next four years because that's what most average people do. Um, but then I, you know, at that point, it, I'd reached a little bit of an awakening and I'd been poked in the chest a little bit. And you just start paying attention. And, you know, next thing you know, um, you're seeing the, the evils of statism everywhere. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, I was that, that was right about the time I was. Um, you know, getting married, having a kid, you know, talking about the future, right? Mm -hmm. And there were certain things that were specifically going after my family, right? We'd lost our health insurance due to some Obamacare regulations, um, which was both federal uh, and then some state regulations in Washington state. Um, the medical freedom stuff, uh, you know, for, for who's allowed to go to school, right? With, with, with or without a vaccine, um, you know, different things that that were popping up and affecting my family's life. And, um, and so it was really like, you and know, when you say that, just to be clear with, with the vaccine, you're talking about just traditional vaccines. Yeah, right? this is or, this yeah. is pre COVID, you know, all over the country, yeah. vaccines are mandated for entry to school and you can get personal exemptions in some states or religious exemptions in others. Uh, but ultimately, they're forcing us to put our kids on a registry. And, uh, you know, look, look now, you know, years later, what they're doing with vaccine passports and stuff. So uh, a lot of the writing on the wall for me came through the, the medical freedom community, you know, about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, so one thing led to the next. And I just I decided to draw a line in the sand, you know, to, to, to say no more. I'm tired of being bullied. I'm tired of this happening to myself and my friends and, and good people. Um, and my wife and I uh, together decided to kind of commit as much as our heart and energy to, you know, standing for freedom for, for everybody, you know, not just our family. Some of the stuff that hit home to, to us uh, most, you know, that resonated most with us right at the very beginning was the stories of, of other mothers and stuff. Um, you're like, wow, this is not just a couple people that this is hurting. It's, you know, these things are hurting tons of families all over the country. Um and it just was, was something that's like, I, you got to give a voice to the voiceless almost and um, set an example for what it is to stand up to a bully. Um, so, you know, one thing leads to the next. I get involved in the movement. I did run for office out in Washington. Uh, I got the pleasure of being Spike Cohen's uh, tour manager on his uh, VP tour around the country last oh, year. Really? That was that. Yeah, that was an absolutely an amazing experience. Spike is a, an incredible man. And uh, of course, Tasha behind the scenes is a, a great, beautiful woman inside and out, um, mm -hmm. you know, and. So my, my passion is for, for liberty and fighting in any way I can. And now we focus on um, giving others resources that they don't already have. Um, you know, there's not a lot of assets or resources within this liberty freedom movement. And, um, 
trying to help one another and, you know, staying focused on what the mission is, is where I feel most productive. Um, and I, and when I'm, when I do stay focused on that, um, I'm a lot more effective as well. So, you know, that's what we're doing now is we're traveling around the country, um, in a, in a tiny house, uh, essentially, um, helping one candidate at a time, spreading Liberty one County at a time. And, uh, it's been quite the, uh, the amazing journey. And, um, you know, one, you know, I guess uh, all we want to do now is just fight, fight. You know, really mm-hmm. to the to, to the end of it because they're never going to stop. You know, they're not going to let up on this anytime soon. Yeah, that's for sure. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because you're somebody who, you know, isn't just talking the talk. You're walking the walk. You're actually, you know, living that uh, digital nomad uh, type life within the uh, within the United States. So I kind of want to dig into the specifics of that first on how you okay. did it. Yeah. So how, how did you go from, you know, either living in a, in a house or an apartment or whatever you were living in to, to living in an RV? Um, what kind of, what was that process like? Because, because people today, you know, they're seeing what's happening in Canada. They're seeing what's happening across the globe. And they're thinking, you know, this, this is at some point in time, I could be in this situation where I got to get out of the state I'm in. I, I got to get on the road. I got to move my family. Um, very easily could happen within the next six months or five years, whatever. So take us through step-by-step uh, step how you did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the original plan wasn't necessarily an RV. It was, you know, the the overall idea of financial freedom and, um, you know, uh, mobility freedom even because, the, the, the writing was on the wall for so long and it's like you you can only do so much to fight against the state right um but where it all really came together was like how do we merge this desire for freedom in our personal life how do we fight for liberty at the same time like what what's this balance right um and one thing to the net led to the next to where um for my campaign for state insurance commissioner which is a statewide election in washington um I decided that if I was going to, and this is two years prior to, to even election year, I, I decided that if, or realized rather that if I was going to have a fighting chance to run a real big, credible campaign, I was going to have to put full-time effort into it, right? I, I'd been tired of watching libertarian campaigns, um, you know, not, not get the results that they're looking for. Right. And it's easy to, to point to a number of reasons why that happens. And one of them is just time and energy. Right. So I said, OK, how can I put as much time and energy into this movement as I possibly can? Um, and so we had started, you know, liquidating assets, reducing our debt. Um, we're not debt free still at this point in our life, but we're in a, a much more uh, well positioned <laughs> life than, mm-hmm. than we were five or six years ago. But it was just the, the idea of putting ourselves into a position of financial freedom, tying that into the campaign and, and having mobility. Um, and my wife had been working remote for years already before all this. Um, so we got ourselves in a position, though, to where I could essentially step away from my job. Um, it's a big hit financially for us, but it was something we could absorb. Um, not by a lot, but we, we eat, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and But in doing so, um, it meant I had triple the time to spend on Liberty. I was getting more time with my wife and son as well. Right. And all of a sudden the, uh, I became more focused, more energized, more, um, 
able to to just do what I would needed to do to take care of my family, to take care of this, you know, this fight for liberty. And um, eventually what we did is we um, had been traveling around the state. You know, I'd you know, stay at a friend's house if I have an event somewhere or other times we'd camp, right? If I have a rally somewhere, uh, we'd go camp outside of town um, because it was cheaper than staying at hotels, right? You know, you could get, you know, $100 hotel or you could stay at a campground for like 65 bucks for a couple of nights, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that I could do with my family. My wife and son would then participate in all the political outreach we were doing. Um, so it was a healthy balance, right? My, my family's engaged in this. They're, they're growing from it just like I am. Um, and uh, it was cheap but it wasn't sustainable uh, long-term, you know, especially if I'm trying to do events every, you know, every couple of days. So we, uh, we invested some campaign dollars into a broke down 28 foot travel trailer. Um, and then my wife, uh, my father-in-law and a whole bunch of volunteers spent about eight months uh, essentially gutting it and remodeling it into a tiny house. Um, wow. My wife and I spent all of our own money on, making it livable, right? We had the campaign for the structure and then for the living part, I wanted to put all of our money into that make it, you know, an equal contribution to the campaign. Um, and we all used all reclaimed wood, um, all borrowed resources, um, shared resources. We bought, I, I think we spent less than $200 on raw material to redo the whole inside. Um, and now it's home. And mm-hmm. what it did was it allowed me to quit my job. It allowed me to save, you know, $1,500 a month in rent um, that we've been paying. Um, and it put us in a position where we could get by on a single income. So uh, we did that and we moved into the trailer for, you know, essentially the first year of the campaign, taking it all over Washington, uh, literally county how, how by county. How hard is it? Sorry to interrupt, but I got to no, ask please. this question because t- tiny houses fascinate me. How, how hard is it to find a place to be able to park it and live, you know, and hook it up and you'll have, you know, water and everything you need? You know, it's, it's, it takes effort and planning, but it's not hard to do. Um, you know, there's camping networks all over the, you know, all over the country, all over the state. Uh, some of them are going to be more conveniently located than others. Some of them will come with different costs. Um, I got involved in essentially a membership network um, that for the first about six months I used um, that gave me like two week camping at like a a network of campsites. So I would just use those as home bases. And then I would plan all my events around that area. Right. I'd hammer out, you know, two, you know, two, three weeks worth of outreach and then go on to the next campground. Uh, Other times I'd have friends that lend me their driveway. Right. Uh, I had a friend running for, for Yelm city council out here in Washington. His name is James Blair. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, He was running for office. It was 10 days out for his election. Um, I was a year after his, but I came out, stayed at his house and we door knocked for both of us that week. Right. We, you know, we just did groundwork together. Um, and we stayed in his front yard, drank some beer afterwards and, uh, you know, had a good time with it. But, um, you know, now, uh, we use things like harvest host. You might've seen the ads for them on Facebook. That's a pretty cool, uh, resource. Just the other day we stayed at a harvest host, um, that was an organic farm. And, uh, it turns out the guy's essentially an anarchist. Um, in Florida, uh, he's, uh, uh, well to do and, uh, mm-hmm. from a lot of, a lot of sweat equity. Um, and not only is he doing, uh, organic farming, he's about to, um, go public with a prefabricated hempcrete housing plan, Ikea style. Um, he's going to be mass oh, producing wow. them at the, at, at literally at one a day rate. Um, 
and it's a really exciting project. If, if you're into alternative building, um, if you're, or if you're not, and you want to learn more about alternative building, look into things like hempcrete, uh, container ship housing, earth bag housing, um, tiny housing, right? There's, there's a lot of different benefits to each of these style of alternative housing. Um, and uh, hempcrete's a, a really fascinating product that I think could revolutionize building um, and in a very healthy, sustainable way uh, for the, for really the entire world. Mm -hmm. So, so anyways, yeah. yeah so harvest toast, I, I met this guy at harvest toast. He's amazing. Yeah. And it's just one of those chance encounters that you get by living on the road. Um, and I've got, you know, dozens of stories like that. People that, you know, I've met along the way, people we've been able to either learn from or, or help teach them some things or just share in, in fellowship as people that are seeking freedom for one reason or another. Um, it's quite a, a unique community. So w when you first got involved in libertarian politics and, and you decided you wanted to run for office, um, there's really, I mean, when I look at the libertarian party, I think there's, there's great things and there's things that, you know, might be a, a little bit of a, a waste of, of resources. And, you know, I'll just kind of, just kind of lay this out for you and, and let you, uh, let you bite into it. But, you know, I think there's a lot of libertarians who run for office who might not be in a in a spot where they are really financially ready to uh, go all into a campaign mm -hmm. or, like you, willing to make the sacrifice and rearrange their life to be, you know, in a place where they can go, you know, all in on a campaign. I think there's a, a lot of libertarians who, when they run for office, they're—I forget what the term is—but uh, paper paper candidates, mm -hmm. I, I guess yep. it is. And I, I don't think that does anything to help help the cause. So I, I know you do a lot of candidate training, and I know that that's one of your your big uh, initiatives going forward. When you look for candidates to to work with, do you have like a a set of criteria, things that that you're looking for out of specific candidates? Yeah, well, the, my favorite one uh, on the candidate, you know, kind of intake form I send out to the ones that I've kind of already eyeballed that, you know, seem like they're they're worth the, the extra effort. I, I ask who's better candidate, Bill Weld or uh, Spike Cohen. Um, so that right away, you know, cuts the wheat from the Does shaft. Does anybody say Bill Weld? <laughs> not yet. Not yet, because uh, they probably weren't going to get an intake form from me anyways. But uh, no, I, I remember somebody a while back saying, man, I'm so tired of getting, you know, screwed over by people that I'm just going to ask them if they support Ron Paul off the off the get go. And if they say no, they're they're, they're not going to get mm -hmm. my help. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, uh, um, I have a couple thoughts on that. First off, um, I don't like telling people in the movement what to spend their time or energy on. Um, I think there's way too much to do. Um, so I personally look to as often as possible. And this doesn't mean I'm not critical of X, Y, or Z things, right? That, that's a separate topic other than what you're trying to do. Um, I try to empower people where they're at. If they've got an idea in their head, what I want to try to do is help people be as effective and as, as productive and as efficient within that goal as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and that requires helping um, get people pointed the right direction, helping them create a bigger vision at times. Um, so what I mean by that is, well, let me back up. Let me rephrase that. 
So that's one part of it, right? Like I, I, if you, my point is if you want to run a paper ballot campaign, then so be it. What I try to help people do is figure out, okay, why are you running a paper ballot? What's your next step? How are we going to actually do this and make sure that it feeds into whatever that next step is? So it's less aimless, it's less rudderless, and it's got more uh, direct intent behind it. Um, another reason why I personally don't mind paper ballots, the, the race I ran in the state of Washington, we had a three-way race the prior cycle four years ago earlier with a paper ballot libertarian. And it gave me all the data that I needed to see what our baseline is without any effort. And what that showed Mm -hmm. me was in a statewide election there, we could get 99,000 votes for that race and we could get 7% with doing, you know, the bare minimum. Um, And the guy that ran was great. He just like many people, he, you know, committed what time he had, which wasn't a lot. Um, and the rest went to the rest of his real life. Right. But it showed me exactly where our baseline was so that I knew, what my benchmarks were, um, where some weak spots were, what was obtainable. So, um, point being, yeah, I don't, I don't mind paper ballots. It's just, why are you doing it and how can we use it and make sure we're using it? You know, like use the tool in the tool belt effectively is all I'm aiming for. Um, beyond that, the candidates that I try to work with, um, right off the bat, they got it. They had to have been strong against the lockdowns and the vaccine passports. If they weren't bold for the last two years, um, then, I'm not going to be the person best suited to help them. You know, just, it's not going to be something where we're going to mesh. Well, um, I like people that have, uh, that work hard, that are willing to put in the extra effort. Um, because for me, there is so many people that need help that I want to make sure that I'm maximizing my time. Um, that doesn't mean that I turn away phone calls from people that aren't ready to run an all in campaign, right? That doesn't mean that the candidates I'm working with are running all in campaigns. It's that they are running with that type of heart and passion and vision. Um, and then I can help them get to whatever their goal is and, or maybe even help identify goals that they didn't even know they had. No, that, that makes sense. And I'm glad you brought up, um, you know, with candidate, you're you're looking for candidates who have come out against the lockdowns, come out against the COVID regime, and I'm hoping that you know libertarians in general don't miss this moment because I'm afraid many many are. Um, obviously, we're seeing what's happening in Canada right now with uh, with the Freedom Convoy. Uh, unfortunately, the the reaction is you know we could have predicted it, but. Uh, has not been good from the Canadian government, and unfortunately, I'm I'm fearful the same thing will happen here in the U.S. with the uh, with the U.S. convoy. Um, but but with that in mind, with you know, all this energy, because we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing it. There's a lot of energy around pushing back on COVID mandates, mask mandates, vaccine mandates. How, in my mind, this that that is the the liberty movement already. That is becoming the liberty movement. So how, as, as libertarians, do we use that momentum and uh, use it in a, in a way that it doesn't get, like much like with the Tea Party movement, was co-opted by, uh, by the GOP and basically watered down and became nothing. So how do we use that energy and bottle it up and actually use it towards something fruitful for liberty? I think the most important people are, is the, the folks that have had a big presence for a number of years going into this, that have built credibility of being consistent and people that are worth listening to, right? We need them to be loud because they're the ones that have the most credibility. And when our 
bigger voices are, are, are more credible voices are um, holding the line, right? What that does is it, 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 it helps force the GOP to hold the line, right? And pulls them farther along the way. But when we get soft, it's like coming to a negotiating table and not bringing our, our a game, right? It's like, I, I use the example of, of school choice, right? So for years, Democrats have opposed it. Republicans opposed it. Libertarians are like, you know, let's just let people keep their money. Now, um, Republicans are, you know, some are finally starting to come to the negotiating table um, with with school choice. And I firmly believe if we hadn't been leading the charge on this for years, it would be even less popular than it is today. And what's important is that we continue to pull. So now that we've got them talking about school choice, we need to actually pull them farther along the way and get them talking about abolishing government education entirely. Because I can tell you this, the people that I followed for years in the state of Washington as I've run for office, the people that are maybe more conservative leaning um, and were still, you know, pro-teacher, pro-government school, you know, raise your hand to the flag mm-hmm. type, type, you know, Christian Republicans, um, they are no longer scared of abolishing the Department of Education. They aren't. Yeah. Um, they're not scared of abolishing the CDC. They hate the CDC now. Not all of them, but... 10, 20% of them easily are down with getting rid of the CDC permanently, not just Fauci, but the CDC. And it's important that those of us that have had a platform and built trust with people, we keep doing the tug of war to pull them farther along because we know Mm -hmm. the Democrats are never going to, you know, come, come along on certain topics. The Republicans will come kicking and screaming sometimes, but if we're not pulling the conversation the rest of the way by being bold, um, it's going to continue to, to really take baby steps forward when we could be taking giant man size steps right now, uh, because it is ripe for the picking. Um, one of the reasons I believe I did so well in the state of Washington, I mean, I got 324,000 votes during lockdowns. Um, <clears throat> You know, in a contested race, um, I was bold against the mandates from day one. I was speaking at anti-mandate rallies and stuff, but it wasn't just that. I'd been present in the communities for a couple of years prior, so they'd already known I'd been speaking out against the CDC and setting the tone. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about medical freedom and then setting the tone. And where I feel the Libertarian Party fell short in this year in many ways is we had been strong on so many things like this for years and then crumbled when it actually came time to stand for it. And we should have been hitting freaking grand slams from day one on this and leading on the issue. The GOP was weak. Trump was weak on this. Trump was terrible. Trump was terrible. Uh, DeSantis shut down, right? Mm -hmm. And they might've done it under duress or whatever, all the easier, right? If we'd been bold instead of timid this whole time, we could have been pulling further along with a stronger pull. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's one of the, that's where I think we need to be going with. Yeah, no, it, it, it does. And uh, just to, just to riff off DeSantis for a minute. Yeah. I, DeSantis did make mistakes obviously up front. And I, I'm not saying demand is just DeSantis, DeSantis is uh, <laughs> some, some sort of uh I don't, he's not a libertarian, but that doesn't mean there's not many things, you know, we, we can support him on. And I, I think if he hadn't come out so strongly um, against mandates, 
that many states would have had and would have had to deal with stricter lockdowns. So I think in many ways, DeSantis really did maybe more than anyone else during this time frame to uh, to conserve liberty, which is kind of crazy to think about, but I I don't think it's too far from the truth. And I would not be surprised at all. You're bringing up the CDC, Department of Education, libertarians. I mean, that should be like the first things we're talking about. If you're running for uh, a federal office, you should be hammering that. That should be on the front page of your website because I'm pretty sure that there's going to be many GOP candidates and maybe a presidential GOP candidate, maybe the one who gets the nomination, who run on the same thing, um, ab- abolishing the Department of Education and the CDC. Would not be surprised at all to see that. Do you, would you agree with that? Do you think that's possible? Uh, I, I, maybe. I mean, you know how the establishment is trying to cheat people out of platforms and keep them out of conversations and stuff. I, I don't know. That, that I hope so. You know, I, I absolutely hope so. I, I you know, I, I see a lot of them are pandering um, with, with very little teeth to it. And we, we know they say one thing when they to get elected and then they do another once elected. So, you know, I hope they run on it and do it. Um, <clears throat> I just believe that if we're if if our goal is pragmatism um, and liberty, right, there is nothing more pragmatic than telling 20% of the population that you support them being free from, from CDC rule for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know that there is easily 20% of this country that is adamantly against what's going on adamantly, right? There's a huge portion that's okay with it. And then there's a lot of people that are like, well, maybe we still need some of this, but you know, there are mm-hmm. just countless people in this country that are waiting to be inspired. Right. And to be galvanized at the local level. And if you can do that, um, you know, running for state house or state senate or something, I think it's a it's a winning message. Not necessarily what's going to help win you the campaign, right? Having the winning message isn't the only thing you need. Um, but I think it's a, in, incredibly important to be strong on those things right now. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's gonna, it's killing people. Like, yeah, no, it's, you know, this is the most important time. Yeah. So, so speak, speaking of that, you talk about state house, how about to take that to, to the federal level? Do you think, I know that we had uh, Justin Amash who moved over to the Libertarian Party at the end of his term, but do you think it's at all realistic for there to be a Libertarian elected in 2024 to Congress? I, I'm not a. Uh, race expert. I don't know what all the splits are or whatnot. I can tell you this. I put everything I had into a statewide race. Um, got as many votes as anybody could really. Um, and I got 13 and a half percent. I killed it and I still couldn't do enough. Right. Um, I suppose in the right race, in the right situation, if the person got enough money to buy enough ads, right. Hit strike, you know, strike lightning in the bottle. Sure. Maybe. Right. Um, and whether or not we can win, I think we should run those races for certain. But I think it's going to be a hard, hard pressed to to win an election in especially in a three, you know, a three or four way race, depending on, you know, on the yeah. campaign. But um, I think it's important we run them. I think uh, the more effort we spend spreading liberty. Right. We're, we're still winning people over. Right. I when I ran for office in Washington, I wanted to win, of course, but that wasn't the only benchmark I had to 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 count as a as a victory. 
right? There are so many things I was trying to do. I was trying to expose people to a consistency in thought, right? How we're, we're going to apply these principles consistently across the board. And that's how I brought people in from, from areas where they just didn't trust politicians. And now they're voting for me because they, you know, they trust that I'm going to do the same thing, no matter who's in charge type of thing. Um, I think there's a, and very much needed effort in just practicing, um, you know, practicing and campaigning and not for the campaigning sake, but because it forces you to learn new skills that this movement doesn't have. Um, it teaches you things that you, that you don't know. It forces you to become an expert like, and quickly. And, and the more experts we have, the more tenured experienced people we have fighting for Liberty, the better chance we have. Um, but the, it has to be with the heart of helping people, um, with or without winning the election. Cause libertarians, we're not about, you know, it's not about politics for us and we shouldn't forget that as we're campaigning, right? For me, it was always about who can I help at this rally, right? Who, who needs this message and, and what can we do to actually give them a solution today, right? To make their life better. And for mm -hmm. us, there's so many people out like that, that we can provide these ideas and solutions to. Um, and then, and then that does feed into the campaign side of it as well. That struck me. So you're saying it's not about politics, but I mean, libertarians ultimately want to have a seat at the table, right? I mean, that's, that's the plan eventually, right? To get a seat at the table and to, to wield power so you can actually pull back and, uh, you know, get some of our, our liberties back, right? I mean, I think we should fight, be fighting for a win there. I don't know that that's the only way to win this battle. Um, I think to a certain oh, yeah, extent, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it is, but no, yeah. no, I think, I think my point is, is by the time we get to the, to the point where we even have enough people to, to have enough of a voting block to, to swing things in any large measurable way, especially at the federal level, we would have had to completely change the way people think to even get to that point. So by that point, I don't even know if it's going to be necessary, right? If you, if you're getting to, you know, 20, 25% of the voting population is now voting libertarian. Like the entire system's already probably started to change. Um, and, and, and we might not even have the same political structure. So, uh, but the, one of the we'll, best, we'll just all be, they'll just, they'll just deperson and deplatform that whole 25% right? of society. Yeah. So what, so what, so we have to realize like if things are going to get worse or if things are going to accelerate, right. Whatever that looks like, if we're not, arming people with a way to care for themselves in spite of all of that, then people are dying. Mm -hmm. Right. And we want to survive no matter how bad things get. And the, when, when people can buy into free markets in one area of their life and they can see a success, right. They're going to start to buy into it in other areas. Right. And that's where you can start the brush fires of Liberty. So getting them to buy in on something as simple as direct primary care, you know, or, you know, per, you know, personal membership associations and, and things of mm -hmm. that nature to, to reduce costs in their life. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, maybe we have been doing it wrong this whole time. Right. And it's just because they never even heard of it. It's not that they oppose direct primary care and want Medicare for all. It's that they've only been sold Medicare for all. And if you can give them something better, which obviously does exist all of a sudden mm -hmm. they're, they're empowered and they start asking more questions about other things. Um, and then hopefully um, they vote for you. They, they, 
they they convert to you know pure anarchist in in six months or less and you know we 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 save the world from from the brink of destruction but um <laughs> you know i i don't have all the answers i just what i try to do is i try to help people where where they're at um i try to that's both inside the the liberty movement outside the liberty movement and um i think by doing that um it moves the needle the right direction. Yeah, I, I would agree. And um, so you mentioned inside Liberty Movement and outside the Liberty Movement. So, well, I guess I would say this. When you say Liberty Movement, do you work with, would you work with a, uh, you know, a, a Liberty Republican for, for office? I might work with Lily Tang, right, running in New Hampshire. Is Lily a, Tang a Republican now? No, she's a full-blown Libertarian and has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe she's running as a Republican. Right. I, we know I, Lily. it's good. We, we, right. We, we trust Lily. I might help mm-hmm. her. I have an, a, an extreme disdain for the two party system. And I don't necessarily agree with that strategy on a personal level for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I used to be more rigid on this. Actually, I used to think that you, you can't do that. You're, you're enabling the two party system. And while I do still think there's some truth to that, I also become, you know, looked at it. Okay. Well, this is a big chess game, right? And there's lots of different ways to win and Anthony don't be critical. Right. So it would have to be the damn, you know, it'd have to be one of a couple, right. (laughs) You know, uh, otherwise, no, you know, you know, and and especially if, especially if they're, if they're not all the way there to begin with, right. I would rather stay strong and demand better from them because I know they can be better, um, you know, and bring them the rest of the way along. Um, by by staying true to those principles and really setting an example that you know a lot of people haven't had you know there's not a ton of people out there that aren't going to fall to the weight of whatever's going on right where it's easier to fall back into statism um, so I mm-hmm. think there's a value in being like no if you're doing that right or you're not supporting the right things that you you don't get our help and um, so for me I've got a really high bar right for who I want to work with. Um, why I want to work with them. Um, but luckily there, there are good people out there that are running, right? We've got Dennis Misagi out here in, in Florida. We've got a, 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 a trio of people running up in Jacksonville. You got Tubb and, and Tracy and, um, and Eric, uh, up there in, in Jacksonville, they're all running for city council. Three of them running for city council on a slate in Jacksonville. And, you know, Angela Pence up in, in Georgia, she's running, uh, a, a big race against Marjorie Green. Um, which Their is actually, relation to Mike Pence, right? No, thank God. Um, <laughs> but you know, and, and all these people stood against lockdowns, right? I, I'm working with Travis Bowl up in up in Minnesota. I was in Minnesota with Spike this last fall, um, you know, and and, and Tra- Travis is doing great work up in, in a huge district in northern Minnesota, and he doesn't, you know, f- folks like that they don't always have the help they need. So, you know, what I'm trying to do is take the the heart I have for liberty, find the people that are on the same general mission as me. And, and I understand that not all libertarians have the same mission. I think we need to be more accepting of that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm looking for folks that are on the same mission as me and I'm putting as, you know, my heart and soul into this. And one of the cool things about it is I'm taking uh, a unique um, perspective on how to do it. Right. You know, by all intensive, you know, by, by all intentions, as far as the government's concerned, I'm running a, a consulting business, um, but that's government language. 
right? That's that's their tax form language, right? That's mm-hmm. their EIN and their business licensing language. You know, that's their slave language, right? That they're they're doing this to us. So um, I'm not a business. Uh, I'm a volunteer. I work for free for candidates. Um, all of the candidates that I'm working with, I'm not asking for their money. I won't take their money. Um, it's it's literally not happening. They need to be spending their money on their campaigns. If they had money to spend on a consultant, I want them to pay staff with it. I want them to have the reason, you know, the supplies they needed. Um, and instead, what I'm doing um, is I crowdsource on the outside people that support the mission that I'm on. Um, you can donate and give a gift oh, to me. I'm not running a pack. Uh, I'm not a business owner. Um, it is a gift. It's a donation, um, which of course. Uh, if we uh, like those libertarian, you know, tip cards, the tax-free tips that people mm-hmm. like giving, um, you can essentially tip me, and I don't report it to the government, which means I get to keep twenty or thirty percent more of it. Um, well, probably fifteen percent more because I don't take that much. Um, <laughs> uh, but that means I get to work. I, I I get to absorb less resources, right? I I can get by on less because I'm giving less to the government. Um, the candidate gets to keep their money. Right. And they don't have, they don't have the pressure of needing to fundraise for a consultant. So it's my idea of bringing, you know, like a voluntary type community resource, you know, to the movement and uh, allowing people opportunities to, you know, contribute if it brings value to them. Right. So over the next couple of days, I'll actually be announcing my slate of the first five candidates that I'm working with. Um, We have a goal of bringing on five more as well. Um, I won't do more than 10 this year. Um, I want to uh, take it easy. That's a lot of candidates to be working with. Um, So we're going to roll out five and then another five a a couple of weeks later. Um, But people have a chance to vet them and be like, yeah, Anthony, I have supported you for all these years. You know, I donated to you before. Um, You know, you're a a voice for liberty where there, you know, there otherwise hasn't been in some areas. You know, I want to keep supporting you on your mission to, to create liberty for our communities. Um, so they can give to me directly. Um, and then I get to spend my time working for Liberty, working for candidates, um, and essentially helping them get from point A in their campaign to, 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 to Z and really just trying to make their lives easier, providing coaching to them directly, um, helping provide training to their, uh, their, ta- their campaign team. So many libertarians have never phone banked, have never knocked on a door, have never given a political speech. And that's fine. You shouldn't have had to. Right. You shouldn't have had to had to do that because you should have been free and not needing to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is you're here because you've been bullied and you want to stand up for yourselves and you want to help these good candidates. Um, but they don't have the the resources to even know what that's like. And it's a lot of um, beating your head against the wall and figuring it out as you go. And while that's fine. Right for a while, it's not fine for fifty years as long as the libertarian party has been. And allowed. you burn you burn out very quickly. As someone yep. who was a uh, who was a campaign manager for a libertarian Senate candidate, yeah, you, you'll be burnt out very quickly if you don't yeah. know what you're doing. Well, and there's so many, there's so few campaign managers because there's so few of us that have mm-hmm. run for office, right? So there's just a lot of a lot of people with good hearts and good ideas, but it's trying to get rubber to meet pavement, right? So that's where kind of my phrase, the the road to liberty, comes from, which is my you know uh, my website, theroadtoliberty.com. Um, you know, and it also ties into my my travels, right? As I've gone from literally Canada to Mexico, I've gone from. Uh, Washington, all the way down to Key West. You know, I've been up as far north as New Jersey and, and just all, you know, all, all over the country, you know, for the last three years. 
um, you know, kind of bringing liberty, you know, on the road with me and just trying to help our candidates down that road as well and just making their lives easier, helping empower this movement. Um, I think it's healthy. I think it keeps us focused. Um, and I think it gets us closer to our goals. So I, it's been quite, quite the experience for me. And I've been blessed to, to, to work with some great people along the way already. Yeah, man. Well, I think that is, that's a very cool model that you have set up. It's, and you're selecting your candidates, you're making them known to your supporters who are, you know, helping to, to crowdfund and support you. It's almost like, it's like a, a patron for being a campaign consultant or campaign manager or whatever. And you're doing it in a way with, I mean, you know, with technology today, yeah, you can work with three or six or however many people and, and leverage your time. Of course, Obviously, it's not the same as just working with one person, but it's much better than having nobody to, uh, to help yeah. you, and they don't have to pay for it because uh, yeah. because you're being funded based on your experience, based on your work ethic, and uh, based on what you've brought to the table in the past. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, that's like a uh, a template that other people can use who you know over time get this experience and want to you know maybe do something similar to what you do. And you can get, you know, these kind of sprouting up uh, across the country. Um, because I don't think there's any way libertarians can compete with the, with the dollars from the, uh, from the two big parties. It's certainly, just not even, certainly not even in, close. Yeah, not, certainly not in the bigger races. I mean, I helped fundraise my incumbent. Um, that's probably just because they didn't think they needed to fundraise, right? Uh, but I out-fundraised them by quite a bit. But no, I mean, so th- this is the interesting thing is... So first off, for the people that are going to chime in and call me a grifter, um, I've got one couple words for you. I'm not going to say them. I heard you had some, somebody watching, somebody right? trolling you, calling you a grifter <laughs> yeah. on it. Was that on yeah. Facebook? Or, yeah. yeah, I would say shut your mouth and eat it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, second off, I am helping candidates fundraise money specifically. Okay. I am hitting the phones with them, dialing for dollars for them, and letting them keep 100% of that money. Okay. So the... My goal is for all the candidates to help each of them personally. I want to help them individually raise at least an additional $500, right? That's a couple hours worth of phone calls. Most of you that would hate me and call me a grifter have spent zero hours dialing to fundraise for any candidate, okay? So while I am trying to raise some money for myself, um, I have to. I have a family of three. Um, I live in a trailer, and we have visions of, of owning some property someday and not having to travel all the time, right? I need to make a mm-hmm. little bit of money at this point. Otherwise, I go back to work for the man and, uh, you know, don't get to spend all of my time for liberty. So, but for me, it's always about that balance. It's it's like, okay, if, I'm, if I need help, I want to make sure I'm giving an equal amount of help, right? So it, there's always a, a, you know, a give and a take there, not a suck, you know, suck off the liberty movement and, and grift as, as others would say. Um, but what's also fun about this is the, the way I live going from essentially, you know, retirement community campsite to, you know, um, you know, vacation campsite to, you know, camp in the woods campsites and RV parks all over the country as I'm, as I'm traveling, I'm in different communities every single week. And these are communities where people walk around. They have campfires with each other. They're at the community rec center. They're at the pool room. You know, they're bullshitting at the water cooler. You are constantly meeting people, new people. Every week in a new campsite, I make, you know, you know, I probably have 20 or 30 different conversations with people. And what do you think people talk about the first time you meet? 
Oh, what do you do? Where are you from? Oh, wow. You're doing something a little unique, right? Let me ask mm -hmm. more questions, right? And that inevitably gives me an opportunity to talk about our candidates that I'm helping, issues that are popping up, and, and more specifically ask them like, yeah, what, you know, wh why are you doing this travel life? What, what was it that created you, you know, wanting to live? And somebody's like, well, cost of living was too high here, or, you know, I didn't like the schools over here, so we decided to homeschool. And I get to listen to them and, and empathize with their concerns and talk to them in a way most people have never been talked to. Because let's be honest, most people don't know what libertarianism is. Most people haven't had, you know, detailed conversations with, with libertarians. Um, and I get to talk to things about, they're like, oh, well, how do you make money? Well, I do this thing where I actually work without a business license, right? And people, you know, give me money because they support the things that I'm doing, right? And they're like, oh, you don't have a business license? I'm like, no. You know, and you don't need one either for, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, right? And we get to talk about tax codes and things of that nature. You know, just the conversations go any number of different directions. And it's been uh, a lot of fun to um, get to meet people and just learn that a lot of us are very similar. Um, we're just, you know, maybe concerned about a different topic. And if you just listen to people and let them tell you their stories, you get opportunities to give these solutions to people. And mm -hmm. I'm getting to do that every single day. I'm getting to spend all of my working hours, um, you know, uh, helping candidates. And I get to spend zero of my time setting my kid to be raised by the government in, 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 in public education. So um, I feel like I'm winning at life right now. I'm very happy. Um, you know, I wish government would get the hell out of the way so I could, could, could be even happier, uh, but they're not. So, um, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep fighting. Um, we're going to enjoy life in spite of government, right? They want to lock you in their homes. They want to take your jobs away. They want to tell you where you can and can't go. Um, I told them to piss off. And for the last two years, um, I've lived the life that I want in, in, you know, in complete disregard for their authority. Um, and you know what? I've been hassled basically only by TSA. And uh, <laughs> other than that, I go wherever I want. I do whatever I want. I don't hurt anybody. I don't take their stuff. Um, and, you know, I generally try to leave the community better than it was when I got there. And that right there is is why I wanted to have you on, because you are a living embodiment of, of living a, a libertarian lifestyle. Um, you're not just talking about it. You're doing it. You're not just saying we need to get enough votes, take over the government, and end the Fed, so you know we can we can have true freedom, because um, that's not going to happen. I'd love to end the Fed. <laughs> would love to do it. It might end itself. We might end up with the CBDC, but that'd be even worse. So uh. let's uh, be careful what we wish for. <laughs> but uh, before I let you go, I know you mentioned your website. Please say it again and uh, social media and anything else you want to plug. Yeah, you know what I want to plug is is that we need help for our candidates. You know, if, if you are interested in doing some work remote for a candidate and you haven't found anybody that's really inspired you, um, I'd love to introduce you to a couple of the, the, the men and women that I'm working with, because I think they're incredible and I think they'll earn, or earn your time. But we go to the website, the road to road for um, subscribe. And then there's a couple of groups on there. Um, there's specifically one for candidates. If you want to help a candidate out, join that group, introduce yourself and, um, you know, let people know where you're from and, and, and what you're passionate about liberty. And we will find a way to get you plugged in. Um, we need all the help we can get. And I want to focus as much as your time and your energy on, um, on the candidates as possible. So, um, you know, 
RoadToLiberty.com. You can also find me on Twitter, um, hashtag be free Instagram. Um, you know, my Instagram has a lot of the cool travel pictures and the tiny house lifestyle, um, you know, and some of the, the fun stuff we're doing there. Um, and if you want to see me, you know, roast Bernie Sanders with the best of them with my keyboard warrior skills, um, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> there also. So, All right, Anthony, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you guys. Be well, be free. Hey, I want to tell you about the Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy Podcast with Jacob Winograd. It's an ongoing evaluation on how a Christian should view the state and human authority, as well as diving into the principles of libertarianism. On the podcast, he explores the entanglements between the church and the state in order to bring Christians and the church back to practicing the mantra of no king but Christ. Episodes about philosophy, anarchism, politics, economics, and of course, very interesting guests. Please check it out, the Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy Podcast with Jacob Winograd. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Another great conversation. Another individual who is taking the actions in life uh, to find personal freedom in their own life and helping to achieve the same and helping others really to achieve uh, that same goal. So thank you for listening. And if you want to take it one step further, please consider joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash lions of liberty or on locals if you prefer that you can go to lionsofliberty.locals.com and you can join the lions of liberty pride what do you get with the lions of liberty pride well number one uh, you get access to our bonus content Uh, brian mcwilliams does a monday through friday like a little quick five minute episode every day called good morning Bleephead. I'm not going to swear because this this episode there were no swears on it. So so why uh, market explicit? And uh, also we have Conspiracy Corner, which is about once a month show, and Degenerate Gamblers, which we call it DG. And there is there is a DG community people who participate, um, especially during football season, um, where we have some fun with some uh, some fake betting and things like that. We just wrapped up the season with the Super Bowl. Had a uh, you know all that good stuff. Did a big Super Bowl squares thing. And that'll be kicking off again. We'll do some stuff in the spring when baseball gets up. But then once again in the fall with college football and pro football. So if you're a sports ball fan and you like that stuff like we do, then you can uh, you can join in on that. And also you get, you get a discount on merchandise. You get access to our Lions of Liberty Pride Facebook group. And there's a bunch of other stuff at a bunch of the higher levels where you can influence the show and uh, all that good stuff. So check it out. We would love um, if you took a more active role in supporting the Lions of Liberty. Like I've talked about on previous episodes, um, we are looking to be you know out there this year, going to events, do, doing uh, you know fun stuff, meeting people. So all of that money that comes in and uh, supports us here, we're going to turn that around and uh, do the best we can to get out and meet you and uh, and spend some time with you, drink a beer, have some fun. So that's all I got for today, guys. Hope you all have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire's liberty burning.